and welcome back to Franklin Covey's Be a Better Leader series. My name is Lena Rinne, and I'm the Senior Vice President of Professional Services and Client Facilitation at Franklin Covey. I'm also your host for this season of conversations about what you don't know when you become a leader. Creating a culture of trust is essential for any high-performing team. And in this episode, we'll be discussing how a leader can foster growth, innovation, and success through trust. To help us learn more about this, we're joined today by Franklin Covey's Global Practice Leader for our Trust Practice and my dear friend, Doug Faber. Doug, it's great to have you here. It is so great to be here with you, Lena. It's always a joy. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been a um, highlight of my career to work closely with you and to learn from you. So I think our viewers and our listeners are in for a treat today as well. We're going to have fun. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. We will. So Doug, when we talk about creating a culture of trust, the style that a leader has is a critical part of building trust. I mean, the style that I show up with. So can we talk about your experience as a leader? And maybe even if you can think back to when you were a new leader, were you thinking about leadership style? (laughs) It's a really interesting question because when I think about, yes, right? Leadership styles are so important. How we show up, the language people use these days, what shadow are you casting? You know, how are we presenting ourselves in how we act all the time is critical. I mean, we teach people how to treat us and we teach them by how we act. You know, but what's interesting in your question, when I think about the first time I became a leader, this notion of style never even came into my mind. I, I mean, when I think about leadership back then, it was about, it was about me. Yeah. You know, why did I want to become a leader? Well, I wanted to become a leader because I wanted more autonomy. I wanted more authority. I wanted more influence. Everything started with I. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't even thought about how I was showing up to others. Oh, and let's forget the let's not forget the other reason why I became a leader because I thought I'd make more money <laughs> and ego. Right? And, and we, we both learned that it doesn't really work that way on an hourly basis. <laughs> but you know, or it was also because I thought that's what I was supposed to do mm-hmm. in order to grow, mm-hmm. and so. You know, just even getting back to style, that didn't even come into my mind. I was so self-centered in my approach that it wasn't even a consideration. My style wasn't even an issue until much later in my career. Yeah. And when we talk about leadership styles, I mean, it, mm. what you said that resonated is how I show up does shape how my team shows up. Yeah. Sure. So we sometimes talk about the contrast between a command and control style yeah, versus yeah. a trust and inspire style. Can you give us kind uh-huh. of a quick intro to what those two things look like? Yeah. If we think about command and control, it's really, it's how most of us, when I say most of us, you know, gray hair, right? Uh, this is how I was raised. It was a style of leadership that was born of the industrial age. It started as what we call a very classic authoritarian command and control. And, uh, you know, thankfully over the years, we've all grown to become really more of a enlightened command and control where, you know, it's, it's, it's less about being transactional uh, and we're just trying to get things done for the sake of productivity. If we think authoritarian, enlightened really does kind of get to, you know, we talked about things like whole person and we talked about yeah. engagement and growing yeah. and, and we've made an evolution in what that looked like, but it was still about getting something for something. 
Mm. It was about the production and it was a quid pro quo in my approach would get back for me some increase of productivity out of my workforce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Trust and inspire is a different kind of leadership entirely. If we think about it, it's you're going to get significantly different results, but the the reason we're going to get different results is because it starts human centric. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really about what do we we like to characterize? It's a way of leading and and producing results in a way that sees the greatness that's inherent inside of everybody. Mm-hmm. I love and, the way and, and unleashes that. that. Let, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. it's beautiful. Thanks, thanks. Great. I didn't mean to cut you off. Let me have yeah. you finish your thought there. Yeah, because I, sometimes for people, it's interesting we have this conversation, command and control versus trust and inspire. You know, it contrasts are sometimes helpful for these kinds of definitions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a command and control. We manage uh, things and we manage people. Well, in trust and inspire, we still manage things. We are mm-hmm. still responsible for managing output, but we're leading people. We recognize that it's different. If we think about just, it's not engagement it's inspiration. Hmm. It, it's it's not about just being trustworthy in command and control. We have a lot of trustworthy leaders who really do struggle extending trust. But in trust and inspire, trusting becomes part of the makeup and how we do business together because we both know in our experience when people trusted us, empowered us, and really took a risk on us, we play very differently when that happens. Mm. I mean, think about it. I'll throw it back at you. When somebody first took that risk on you and saw something that was inside of you that maybe you hadn't found in yourself, how did you act when someone extended it to you? Right. I mean, you really show up. You show up in a way that feels safe to share your best ideas. You show up in a way that's engaged and wanting to rumble through the problems, right? It's, it's categorically different. It is categorically different. And when you were in the midst of doing the work that someone was trusting you with, and maybe it wasn't going right, how did you respond? Yeah. I mean, when I think back to the amazing leadership opportunities, uh, leadership trust I've experienced throughout my career, uh-huh. it, my response really was to rise to any occasion. Like right. you go, you go exactly. all in for uh-huh. your leader, for your organization, for the outcomes. That's right. You, you deliver differently. We just own it differently. And, and it teaches us that we really do have that capacity inside of us and it stretches us. And we find all this inherent power that really does live inside of us. Yeah, super and, and interesting. It, yeah, it, it's fun how that works. And it, what we also find is once we learn that about ourselves and we learn that about the experience, we reciprocate that same way. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. one of those really cool things about trust. It is. That. It is. It kind Law of radiates. reciprocity, right? Yes. Yes. Hey, I have one question. When you were talking huh. about command and control, yeah, um, we talked about like the conditioning. We often model what we experience yeah. as leaders. But what came to mind for me is... It's not just the conditioning and the history of, of work, but I'm seeing right now, which, you know, 2023, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of macroeconomic indicators that are giving yeah. some organizations pressure. And yeah. throughout history, there's punctuated recessions. And right. it feels like in leadership styles under pressure, yeah. that also people who might be very trust inspired leaders might revert into this command oh, and control yeah. mode. Will you, will you tell me your thoughts on, on my thought? Yeah, I, I love this because I, I kind of like to characterize it as like 
native tongue versus acquired tongue. Mm. I mean, imagine, well, let's go down this journey for a moment. You, you're, you're getting ready to relocate to Italy because you're going to, you're on a work assignment there for the next can't couple wait. of years. I know you can't <laughs> wait, right? And so you're doing all your Duolingo and you're studying, you're doing your stuff. And once you get to Italy, you make the commitment that you're never going to speak English while you're there. You know, you're only going to speak Italian. Well, you're doing a home improvement. Maybe what you're doing is while you're while you're there is you're you're putting up the image of your family. You're you're putting a nail in the wall and you accidentally hit your thumb with the hammer. When you scream, even though you've been practicing, when you scream that you've hit your thumb, are you going to scream in English or are you going to scream in Italian? Yes, I hear you. With, that's a great analogy. We, we default to our native tongue. We default to our scripted practices. Mm -hmm. And it's especially during times like these that we really need to anchor down in different paradigms to produce different results. Because just doing more command and control is going to only get us better at command and control. That's right. And, and those limited outcomes we were talking about. That's I also right. see a lot of fear right now. Like if you're... If you're afraid that you're not going to deliver results, you kind of go into the weeds of, okay, but how can I get people to deliver results? Yeah. So, yeah. so it really is. I think it's an interesting time to be having this conversation, truly. It, it is. And it's it, what's interesting about it is there's a lot of research around what happens for organizations when they act and lead with a different style than command and control. And um, Bain did a recent study that demonstrated that uh, organizations that operated with uh, um, when employees felt inspired, yeah, they yield 56% more productivity than those who were engaged. I mean, are you kidding me? 56% yeah, is an incremental. Okay. That's like dramatic. Yeah. And, and, and here we are. Let's talk command and control. What have we been measuring as command and control? We got all excited that we moved from satisfaction to engagement. Mm. We've set the bar too low. Yes. And, yes. and so we really need to look at this differently so that our style shows up differently. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And I, I, you know, one of the things I think that happens for a lot of people, when you're having this conversation, it's kind of like, you're telling me that I need to let go of the wheel. If you're saying I need to move to trust and inspire that when you're, you're, you're telling me command and control is bad. And we're not going to communicate that. What I, what I want to communicate is, is that it has made great grounds and we have made great gains in productivity. No one can argue that. Mm-hmm. But just like anything that has a shelf life, it may reach an expiration date. Yes. yes. And, and the evidence that's happened in the workplace right now is, you know, the world's changing, the workforce has changed, the nature of work has changed, the, you know, the, the amount of pace and change of everything that's going on is so different. We have all these converging, converging forces that are happening, yet we keep leading the same way. Hmm. And what's happening is the job market has entirely changed. It is no longer an employer's market. It is an employee market and they are voting with their feet and looking for leadership mm -hmm. that is going to inspire them. They want to be trusted. They want to be inspired. I mean, how many times have we been hearing from the, there are now five different generations working in the workforce right now. And especially those who are entering mm -hmm. are saying to their employers, you have hired me. Why aren't you trusting me to do the work yes. that I'm doing? Yes. And so they're looking for leaders who will trust them. And they will keep moving with their feet until they find them. And then certainly those who inspire them too. Can we get tactical on this? So, so mm. Doug, you really have been a mentor to me throughout my own leadership journey. So if I were to rewind, let's say mm. I am a new leader and I'm yeah. listening to this. And, and of course, a tenured leader as well. But as yeah. a new leader, yeah. 
I, okay, so I get it conceptually. I agree with you conceptually. Yeah. I'm going to go back to work tomorrow. What am I doing differently? What's the action I need to take to become a trust and inspire leader? Uh, those are really great questions. I, I think that part of it shows up in probably need to get anchored in some beliefs first. You know, what, what are the what are the principles of your leadership beliefs are certainly important questions to answer for ourselves. Um, understanding what my leadership values are. Hmm. You know, I, Lena, I work with a lot of executive teams. You know this. Yeah. And when we when we're talking trust, one of the things we talk about is congruence. People are looking for do our actions match our values. What happens is I meet when I meet with leaders, there are a lot of times where I'll ask the question, what are your values? Hmm. And, and I'll get leaders who will turn around and they'll point to the, the symbol on the wall and they'll talk that's, about their company's yeah. values. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking you. Huh. What are your values? And it's hard for people to hold you to congruence. You know, do you, do you act according to your principles or your values mm-hmm. if you haven't yet communicated them? Hmm. And I know a lot of leaders who haven't gone through the exercise of what are my values or do, do they I need believe? to be adjusted? Yeah. Are they current? Are, do, yeah. are they, are, are, are they important for us? So, you know, just starting with understanding values, modeling values, showing up in ways that other people would go, you know, when I go to this guy's retirement party, I, I, I don't want to talk about the great results he got in the third quarter of 2023. I I, I want to talk about what he meant to me and how he helped to shape me or she helped to shape me. Mm -hmm. And and so just understanding, unlike Doug as the first leader who he was, Mm -hmm. where it was all I me mine. Yeah. It's really making that shift, understanding the power of the role that we have and the great influence we all have as leaders and the remarkable thing that we can do to help not just get better results at work, but make lives better for everybody. Yes. There's a hu- human element to this. Yeah. Certainly, isn't there? You know, we, we, we hold so much power. We yes. have so much capability. And the, and the interesting thing is I, I remember hearing Dr. Covey do this, like one of the first times I ever saw him speaking, he was standing in front of the room and he said, you know, Hey, stand up. If you think you possess far more power, capability, capacity, and talent than your current jobs even allow. And like almost everybody that stands up (laughs) and it's like remain standing if you're also challenged to do more with less. Hmm. It's like the great paradox, right? Here we are on one hand challenged to do more with less. And on the other hand, we've got all this latent capacity and potential that needs to be just bam unleashed. And yet here we are, we're still having the same conversation decades later, decades later. And you know, when you talk about how, how you change your mindset and identifying your values, I mean, that really is where it begins. And one of the values that you just shared is I think every new leader should ask themselves, do I believe that there is greatness in every single person? Do I believe that I can unleash that or help unleash that in other people? Because that's a very different value than I just need to get the most out of my people or I just need to increase productivity. Yeah. Right. So, so I think yeah. that's an interesting example of that. Well, it is. And if we, if we just maybe anchor on that for a second, I, th- this is an entry interesting one, because I think as like the, the litmus test for passing leadership, it's kind of like, yeah, I get it. Everybody has the potential to achieve greatness. 
but really what I often find is leaders will seek out greatness in others when that greatness serves the leader. Mm-hmm. It's not about the greatness that's inherent inside of that person that may not be even in this role right now. Mm. It might be three roles down the company. It it might be how they choose to serve in their community. It might be an interest in education for them. Absolutely. You know, Doug, th- thank you so much. This this is your your expertise, your knowledge, your passion for this topic has been such a boon to us. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for leaving us with an action to go back and reflect on our values mm. and make sure yeah. we're aligned there because we know if we can get tight on that, it's going to lead to the right behaviors here as well. That gets us started. Yeah. Wow. Was thank that 15 you. minutes? <laughs> it was, Doug. Wow. Thank you so much for your time. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks, Lena. Thank you. And to our viewers and listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Trust and Inspire Leadership, you can download our free guide, How to Build Trust and Unleash Potential, which you can find a link to in our show notes. You can also find more resources at franklincovey.com. Thanks for joining us today.